All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, September 10th. 10th. Opening Lions Day. Yes. They were off to a good start and then just went downhill. It is what it is. All right. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It's H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And we do have an email this week from our friend Anna Brindley. And she writes, hi, Brad and Steve. I don't know if you knew this, but Opina has a book festival. We'll be hosting the fourth annual one October 13th with more details to come. But it's a day of panel discussions and author signings. We usually have 10 to 20 authors between Blue Phoenix Books and Olivet. I'll probably email closer to the date, but at least mention it the week of that would be great. Or right now. Thank you, Anna. And P.S. I finally had something worthwhile to email you about. Well, Anna's a member of our trivia team. Yes. And she's awesome. Super smart. And then, obviously, um, I had a... So the cupcakes uh, last Friday, or a muffin from As You Wish at the GMA breakfast, and I was told she made it. So I wasn't going to take it, and then um, your brother and Joanna shut me down and said, you have to take one, and Anna made it. So I was like, all right, got to have this. So, so kind of extra special. Yeah, so it's good. So, yes. Of course. So, yeah. So uh, in with us today, Eric the one Peterson. and only Eric Peterson. Hello, hello. Uh, from the Fresh Palette and, of course, Sunrise Side, Tap Takeover, that uh, he's going to be – we're only a little ways away from, huh? Three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Um, so it's awesome, and we're going to talk a little bit about him today. But uh, we'll guess we'll get in the hot takes, the trivia, and we'll go from there. Yep. All right. We have three hot take topics. And the first one was President Obama was kicked out of Disneyland for smoking on the gondolas while in college. So I guess he was – Smoking in Disneyland and got kicked out. I think that's funny. It is. <laughs> um, on a whole bunch of different levels. But, I mean, I guess we've all done stuff when probably when we were in younger or college where we probably look back and like, that probably wasn't exactly too cool. No. So, um, yeah. it, if anything, though, it humanizes them, right? I mean, we all know that. I'm assuming most people knew that Barack is a smoker. So, yeah. um, it's just it's kind of surprising, you know, smoking in Places in the 70s wasn't frowned upon. So. Yeah. I guess. Apparently on the gondolas. Yeah. It was <laughs> most progressive then. So. All right. Our second hot take is there is a food truck in Detroit, in Detroit that refuses to serve those in law enforcement. So this food truck says that their customers feel unsafe with the police and other law enforcement officers around and they have decided not to serve them. You know what my hot take was? My first hot take when you just, you texted me this and I was like, I'm going to go rob the place. <laughs> because they're, they're not going to call the cops. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like, would have been not yeah. the smartest thing in the world, but I mean, obviously I'm not going to drive down to Detroit. It seems absurd to say we don't feel safe. <laughs> 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 I so guess it depends on. It probably says a little bit about the clientele. I guess. Right, there we go. So yeah. who's eating at this? Food? Yeah. So well, supposedly it's a nice area, and the cops say they have a nice relationship with the people in the area. It's just this one business owner doesn't show them any appreciation, or when they have something going on and they need to find information, this person won't 
tell them what they need to know and just kind of dick to them. So, anyways. Wow. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, yeah. I always find the, the number one thing I always find interesting is whether you, however you want to stand on the side of the law, like whether you get along with them or you don't get along with them. If you call 911 and you're calling for help, they're going. Yeah. Right. So, surprise, sir. <laughs> Eric's like, just, surprised just from me. my point of view, I'd probably serve that. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to come faster. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And our third hot take is Serena's meltdown, whatever you want to call it, at the U.S. Open Saturday night. This thing is really icky and layered, and I thought it'd be something fun to talk about because pretty much when we talk about things, we talk about rel relatively safe things on here. And I thought this would be an interesting thing to kind of get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Oh, I, I don't know anything about it. Fill me in. Uh, all right. Well, I guess the chair umpire saw Serena's coach coaching her, giving her hand signals from the stands. I guess that's illegal. But all the coaches in tennis do it. Well, it's illegal in most tournaments, but at the U.S. Open, it wasn't legal. But it's no. It's worth being said that he was almost a couple hundred yards away, and we don't know whether Serena could see it or not. He was open about saying he did do it, so he's on record saying I was doing it. But whether she took the coaching or saw it was up for debate. Sure. So that's strike one. So that cost her a, a warning. That was a warning. What well, cost her a point? Yeah. And then later on, she broke a racket, and that led to another point a game point just out of frustration she yeah heard? she demolished the racket wow. she was pissed <laughs> so then after that happened then she after those two penalties because she did both those things both those things happened to her she then verbal went on a tirade at the ump like john mcenroe-esque okay and then she called felt, him a thief yeah and then so that was a match not a penalty, but another penalty to her and it just went downhill from there. So. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because the girl that beat her was it was her moment. So we're not talking about that girl that one. We're talking about this. And there's whether it was racial, whether it was um, sexist, or just the guy was just an overall jerk. And there's some fault to be had on everyone in here. And it's been really an interesting thing over the past sure. 48 hours. A lot of people are saying. There's some, been a lot of layers of um, some people just feel it's absolutely the worst thing ever for women's rights in tennis. Other people are saying it's a, you know, she's black. Other people are saying it has nothing to do with that at all. Some people are saying, you know, she, her coach shouldn't have been cheating. He knows that he can't do that. Um, she's the one that threw the tirade, and that, that's the penalty, and that's the rule. So it, I can see a lot of different sides of it. Um, yeah. So much to it, <laughs> but I like I said I I like watching you squirm, so it's a fun thing to talk about. So yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> uh, saw a video from the Dan Patrick show, and he said that both sides are to blame for this. Yeah, hundred percent. To and I think to Serena's credit, she said that I know she came out today and said that she was at fault, but I know she did acknowledge a little bit that you know I kind of lost my head and uh, you know the you know but. 
this wasn't the first time this chair umpires had. No, and her sister, yeah. she had, you know, there's different people that have had problems with the chair umpire, and they haven't necessarily been, some have been males, and some have been, you know, different nationalities and so forth. So, so he's uh, probably just trying to do his job. Well, you could make that argument. There's that argument that people, some people made that argument, but a lot of people do feel it's biased. Okay. That's first to say, to say, so. That's um, unfortunate. Yeah. It is. So. All right, I guess we'll move on to the trivia part. And our question last week was... Why don't you ask Eric? He might not know it. See if he knows the answer. Oh, yeah. What was the name of the bomber purchased by the citizens of Alpena during World War II? <laughs> I'm going to take my expression. I have no idea. All right. The so bomber? The answer, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was Thunder Bay Babe. Sounds good. And we had four people answer... No, we did. So they are in here. So what we're doing is you get the Wicked <coughs> case sticker. You get two tickets to celebrate for a purpose on September 19th. And then Eric, on his generosity, threw in two Sunrise Side Suds Takeover t-shirts. So this week's winner is getting a whole bunch of swag. Yes, I feel bad for next week because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but we'll figure something here's out. Your sticker. <laughs> yeah, here's your sticker. Um, so Eric, you can draw. Yeah. Three people or four people answered it, right? Yeah. I'm going with um, Joe. Oh, Joe. Joe Lafave. Joe Lafave. So uh, Joe Lafave's from Alpena. I don't think he lives here anymore, but he does listen to us, which is always awesome. Yeah. That's some of my favorite things when people that I I loosely know that aren't from here but still listen. Um, Congratulations. We'll have to figure out what to do. Maybe yeah. your folks can pick up the shirts and stuff. So we'll find some way. Yeah. So congratulations. And then this week's question. Right. This week's question is pretty easy. Is what was the name of the automobile manufactured by the Alpina Motor Car Company in 1910? So. so again, all you have to do is comment on this feed that we're doing right now. And then I've decided since that kind of worked asking the question, maybe on Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thursdays we'll post the question to give everyone a chance to ask. And then, of course, we'll throw in another two tickets to celebrate. And then you got the sticker. Um, and then we'll just go from there. So I'll give another shirt. Too. Oh, that's awesome. And you got another shirt. So Eric chipped yeah, in a shirt know. for you guys. So good swag for back to back weeks. Yes. So awesome. Well, sure. that wraps up the first segment. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be going here with Thank Eric you. in a second. Thanks for watching. So uh, for our listeners that maybe don't know you, which you can't believe there's kind of be too many that don't, but uh, why don't you uh, tell me where you grew up and you grew, you grew up in Alpena, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. My name is Eric Peterson. I own the Fresh Palette. I grew up here in Alpena, Michigan. Um, spent most of my life here. I, I actually only traveled away from here for five years, which uh, in that five years, I honed my skills as a culinarian and a hospitality and hospitality utilitarian something like that whatever that word really is um but yeah i was born and raised here enjoyed my entire uh childhood here and and then uh wanted to experience a little more of the world and that's where i went away i decided that alpino was a really great place so i ended up back here I think a lot of people have that experience. They kind of get away and maybe they're like, oh, Alpina stinks or whatever you think when you're younger. And then maybe I'm not saying that you did that, but um, I actually did. I, I was the guy who was like, I'm, I'm never coming back here. And now I'm somebody in this community. So yeah. And, and um, 
it's crazy, right? In a kind of a surreal way where you give it, you come back and you just, I think you are a great example of someone that's decided to come back and invest in the community and create something that's, um, I can't even imagine downtown without the fresh palette and the nocus and the whole thing. Well, it's, it was something that like, as I traveled away, I realized, you know, what I was learning was something that Alpina could use and might even savor a little bit. So it was kind of a no brainer. I just wanted to give back to the community that raised me and made me feel so loved and part of the community, I suppose. And then um, also raising children, you know, I wanted to be back in a community that was safe and beautiful and community minded. Yeah. I, th I think that's one thing I know I took for granted was, you know, just riding your bike down the road and, or a kid, you knowing your kid or, you know, um, I remember growing the friends I had growing up, you know, we would play first, you know, we would play whether it be baseball or football or whatever, you know, play till the sun went down and just kind of that kind of stuff, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, where did you do your training at? Uh, well, I went to uh, a culinary institute in Portland, Oregon called Western Culinary Institute. Um, they had just been bought out by the Lake Cordon Blue Corporation, which is out of France. And so at the time, all of my teachers were over here from France uh, trying to teach the teachers how to teach, you know. So it was kind of neat. I, I got it in the second year that they were here. And so several of my teachers were from France, and it was was almost like going to school over there, really. I mean, I didn't really understand all of it. And um, Western Culinary Institute was a, it was a, just a really good place. It was one year, uh, they jammed a lot down your throat in one year, cost a lot of money, and but I came out on top three, 3.95 with a, you know, one of the best in the class. And uh, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was, it was hard, it was, fast and I was happy to have done it. I, you know, I worked in the industry for 14 years before that, thinking that I could go that route, but asking a bank to give you a loan just as a renegade chef didn't seem like that was going to work out. So I decided to go to school and get the degree and, and then feel a little more confident about it. And really that helped um, gear me towards coming back here because, um, the more I learned, and, and then when I went to I went to San Francisco after uh, culinary school and did an internship, and that's when I first learned about like the farm to table type, you know, food industry. Which, you know, coming from Northern Michigan, you you're kind of based around fast food and already <clears throat> produced foods that yeah. are just served warm, especially at the time before you opened i mean because oh, if you go back in time it really was everything you're talking about you know absolutely and so down in san francisco that's where i first learned that that was really happening that they went to the farmer's market bought stuff and took it to the restaurant and you know turned it into a beautiful product so once i seen that i i really seen how alpina and all of northern michigan was really missing the boat on that and decided that that was like the best place that I could do it. Just, I've, I've seen that as a way to give back to the community. Like, yeah. Hey, there's a, there's a different way to eat. You yeah. Know? It doesn't have to be packaged. It doesn't have to be fast. It can be fast and still good. That type of thing. Yeah. 
Um, I, I do find that interesting that kind of whether it, it all kind of happened, like seemed like the farmer's market really started to gain some momentum at the time, the farm to table movement, you know, and then you came along. Um, I remember when you opened the Fresh Pal, it was just like a little hole in the wall right after Take 5 Deli moved out of there. And um, I think you pretty much just did burritos at the time, right? Yep, burritos and salads and paninis was pretty much it. Yeah. And then it grew. And then after that, I believe you moved to the front, right? I did. Yep. So for three years, we just served burritos, paninis, and salads. And I just, you know, going to school as a, like a fine dining type, person uh, i really wanted to offer that to alpina of course i had to apply for a liquor license and and um, the expansion cost some money but it, it so it took three four years yeah. to like come up with the money and yeah. be able to do that but i was happy to do it um you know you've seen how it's expanded now and what it feels like in there and i i think it's a pretty good place to hang out i uh, i get a lot of people that message me all year long. They always want to know, like, hey, my aunt's coming into Alpina. Where would you tell her, take her, you know, for dinner or what should we do? And I always, the first thing I always ask them, well, what are you trying to experience? Or what are, you know, like, what is your aunt like to do? And I was like, well, you should try, really, one of the places I always tell them is your place, just because I think the vibe is really different than a lot of the other places around, I mean, whether it be the 19th hole or JJ's and there's nothing wrong with those places. I eat there all the time, those places, but um, especially in the summertime when that, those doors are open and if you have some music playing, if you happen to have, and um, lungs is not too humid out. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it's a unique building in general. I mean, it's an arcade style building and, and having the fresh palate of Nucleus and um, Thunder Bay Winery all together. It, you know, it's sort of surprising for people that are even from downstate and big cities that are just like, what is even going on in here? Yeah. You know, like, why is it set up like this? Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's the, the cool vibe that it has is that, you know, the open kitchen, the fine dining up front, the bar style in the back, and then you got the Thunder Bay Winery, which is killing it in mine. So mm -hmm. it's just a great building in general downtown. Yeah. Um, and then probably one of our favorite places to watch a game. Yeah. As the nucleus, we were just there. Unfortunately, for Michigan and Notre Dame, that didn't work out very well that night. <laughs> that had nothing to do with, of course, year. No. <laughs> but I just left there, and the Lions game was playing loud, and you know, there's people in there with their Lions jerseys looking good. And, yeah. yeah. Did you always want to open a bar? Was that kind of, or is that something you just kind of again saw uh, a need, or could... it, it was strictly a need? So when I opened the front room at the Fresh Palette. People started asking me to put TVs in there, and I said, "Absolutely not!" Like what I'm trying to create here is a is a place for you to bring your girlfriend, your wife, or whatever, and sit down and have some conversation, like like life's supposed to happen, like this. You mm -hmm. know, uh, when they were asking for TVs and such, I realized it wasn't necessarily like couples that were asking for that. It was like the the businessman, the traveling person that was in there dining by themselves that would rather look at a TV for a hot second while they're eating by themselves. So the nucleus came along as like an idea to um, just provide that, that, uh, that space for the single diners, you know, the group of people that wanted to just come out and watch the game. And, you know, once uh, the holiday Inn moved in, well, then it was even, and I kind of knew about that happening before I created the nucleus. And I said, well, if I'm going to have a 
hotel right next door that obviously travelers are going to be coming in and out of. You kind of have to have that. Yeah. Um, And I'm always amazed at when we go there, that is exactly what I see at the bar. Inevitably, and it's different people every time, but I always see somebody from out of town, somebody I don't recognize, and sometimes they have an iPad, sometimes they have their phone or whatever, and they're just kind of watching the game and having a drink and eating dinner, you know? And straight, right. most people sit there for a long time. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah you're right. That one, and um, that's not a bad thing. It's just, no, you're right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, usually there's another beer that comes with that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it's also interesting when I talk to people, how many people are just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I went there, and it's amazing. They just You've done a really good job, and I think people really appreciate it. So, Well, thank you. I try to instill that in all my employees that, you know, we're, we're just there for customer service. There isn't anything, uh, you know, I, I know I can produce good food, but um, services, you know, got to be top notch. And, you know, we try to compare ourselves to people like restaurants in Chicago and Detroit and, and big cities. And could we stand with them? You know, I mean, whenever I have a team meeting or anything like that, it's like, you know, put yourself on a higher level. Try to try to act like you're in a huge city right now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't compare yourself to some small town. Like, be something. Try to be someone. Bring your service level up. Like, do whatever they need to make them happy. You yeah. know, a, a bad review is – it's taken hard every time. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's sometimes sad to, to read reviews and be like, man, I couldn't please that person. I, I went to that table. I tried, you yeah. know, and you can't please everybody. Well, uh, we, I think we had this. So we talked about this a couple of pods back. Actually, it was last week with Allison. Um, since Allison manages social media for her the credit union, mm-hmm. inevitably you're going to have bad feedback. That's just part of the, part of the biz. And that's the, um, I have even myself. I've had a couple, just some really, ba- really bad people on Facebook. Just you know, really just do say some not nice things. But it's just part of how it is in just today's world. What do you want to call them? Keyboard heroes or just yeah, everybody's you know, got a, yeah a, an opinion and the way to get it out. There, yeah, which you know, at some point you just have to say, I'm. I know that I'm doing my best. Yeah, and I tried there. Yeah, and, and you can't let it affect you. Otherwise, you know. You take everything to heart, and it's hard, it's hard to get through a day. <laughs> it is, but at the same time, I know, I guess that's one of my favorite things about you is I know it does bother you, yeah. and a little bit. I mean, like I said, this person that really was upset with me, I, I know I can go to bed at the end of the day knowing I did all I can because I did do everything I can. Right. And we just didn't see eye to eye on it, which is fine, but um, I know you're the same way, too. So Yeah, and there's a lot of businesses and places and people out there that will just say, I don't care, but yeah. we really do. And we really try. And, you know, I do. It's, it's just a good business choice to try to please everybody, whether you do or not, it's not going to happen, but yeah. Um, what are any future plans for the palette? Just that curiosity. Well, just try to hone in on being better and, and just, you know, I, I work really hard on the summertime where all the tourists come to town. Um, I'm spending a lot more money on outdoor entertainment and trying to bring bigger uh, names as far as bands and festivals and parties and, you know, basically just trying to give our small town 
a really happening feel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the downtown is the best place to do that. So, um, you know, I've been working really hard on just trying to make it feel like at least every other week there's something going on downtown in the alley or at the Fresh Palette mm-hmm. or out on the street, you know, just just to create that vibe because the downtown is really needed um, some rejuvenating yeah, shot in the arm yeah. yeah and you know obviously it costs a little money but like i'm willing to put it out there if people are willing to show up and, and have dinner and have a beer and just enjoy it you know i mean every concert that i put on there is free mm-hmm. i'm never charged a color charged it's just it's just a way to say um thank you alpina for what you've done for me and this sh- and most of that money that I spend is in the summertime anyway. So you know, a lot of that is coming from tourist dollars going right back into the community. And anything I get obviously stays in this town pretty much. I, right. I only invest in, in myself and just trying to make a, you know, Alpina a great place to, to travel to. And, and, you know, this is a sanctuary. It is relaxing. It's, it's a beautiful place, but you also got to have those like, big town feels to it, which is nice places to dine and things to do and, and, and attractions. So I've just been trying to fulfill that as much as possible. I know I've dropped in on a couple different, on and off on a couple different bands you've bought and uh, brought in and some of them are just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just but that's just it. We're trying to up the level, you know, and, and really create some good entertainment. I mean, we have a lot of like, um, cover bands that come to town and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I try to get those original musicians that are really putting themselves out there like like we do, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that that are saying, hey, I wrote this music. This is this is my blues music, you know, and I, I think uh, that a crowd responds to that a little bit more. I mean, yeah, you, you like hearing cover songs, but when somebody's just jamming out on there on their original music, that sounds awesome. That feels good. Yeah. For people. Yeah. Awesome. We got anything for? Um, yes. Have you always been interested in cooking? Kind of. Yeah. Like, uh, so when I was like four years old, my grandmother, you know, when I would stay the night at her house, would always make cookies with me and these things called church windows and we'd make spaghetti sauce and we, we would just do all kinds of like cooking type thing. I'm, I'm super young at this time. Well, she would always send me with plates of cookies or whatever we made to like give to the people like my parents or whatever. And so even at a super young age, I seen when I like made these cookies and gave them to somebody, they were excited to eat them. <laughs> they were tasty. And so you know, at a very young age, I was like, man, this is cool. You know, I, I made something and people appreciated it. And then as I as I grew up, you know, I moved out of my house when I was 15 years old and I had my own apartment for the last two years of high school. And so, of course, you know, kids wanted to come over to my house and hang out. And so, you know, I would cook a pot of chili and, you know, toast some bread off or whatever and, and just have people over and they they would enjoy it and they would smile and they would feel good and they would thank me and so you know throughout my life I've just seen several times where food and hospitality and friendship all kind of came together and so at some point I I think I just created like the idea of making that into a career and it wasn't necessarily the the chef part of it that interested me it was more the hospitality and how people reacted to it and that's 
I think that's why, you know, I went to culinary school to get that um, certificate that said, hey, bank, give me some money so that I could create the hospitality industry more than necessarily the, the chef part of it. And, you know, the Fresh Palace more of a hospitality place. I mean, yes, we have good food, but it's the activities and the things that we plan and the, the fun, like, you know, we do a zombie crawl for for Halloween, which is just super fun, which I include other bars in that too, to just say, hey, we're all part of the same team here. We're creating a hospitality type thing. So it's not that I was always into the culinary thing. It was just a route to get to the hospitality. I think it's advantageous to keep people downtown for you. It'd be really easy to just say, hey, you know, if somebody wanted to go to the courtyard in the Bogarts, for example, and I'm out now on the north side of town, whereas if you can keep somebody downtown, then it obviously benefits you. So Absolutely. Yeah. I'm happy to see more businesses open up down there, even yeah. if they're restaurants. I, I don't really see them as competition. I mean, you got to create a hub for people yeah. to want to hang out. And <laughs> if it's a fresh palate and a couple other businesses, they're not going to hang out that long. If it's four different restaurants and six different bars down there, they're going to be down there the whole time they're on vacation. You know, so... A um, couple things. I appreciate and wanted to thank you. I know a lot of people already have done that, but um, you sprucing up the pocket park oh, behind your place. Yeah, looks fantastic. I didn't even realize how good it really looked until um, I did some drone shots with Justin really quick over Cooper over at um, Art and Loft. And I kind of shot down on it. I was like, man, he really didn't make that look good. Right. Well, you know, until you really looked, take a, took an actual look at it. You know, I was like, wow, it really does look sharp. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, I don't know if I missed it, but did you do uh, another knife fight? Well, we've only done two. Okay, and, so that's... And we're gearing up for another one. So now, you know, it, it's been two knife fights, me versus my brother. Right. And we each won one. Right. We want to leave it at that, and we want to get on a team together. And so we've, we found a couple other people. Um, it's actually... Um, a set of twins that live down in Ferndale, Detroit, that actually won Chopped one time. That oh, really? We're going to challenge. So, <laughs> like, I didn't even know this until I asked them if yeah. they wanted to challenge. And, and they said, well, do you want to challenge a couple of Chopped champions? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so would they come up here? Or would you... They're going to come up here. So we're always going to host it. Like I, I wanted to make it like a revolving thing where like if you won, like you would, we would go to your restaurant and do it. But I, the whole logistics of that is a little bit intense. So even if these fellas come up and they beat us, well, then we'll have to find two more for them to, to night fight and then host it at the Fresh Palette. Just so that, you know, we got a pretty nice setup in the kitchen where it's wide open and I can move everything out and I can set it all up and I've got the rules all built out for it. So um, I, I've tried to, to, Get some dates with those fellows, but you know they own a restaurant and a butcher shop down in Ferndale and in Inlay City, and you know me and my brother are working pretty hard, so yeah. it's, it's just been hard to get like the dates set. But once we get that date set, we'll let everybody know and we'll set up. Another that's day. awesome. I well, I didn't know. I can't be the only one wondering if there was a rubber match, so that's why I didn't know. I, we just it. didn't want to go there yeah. because it's like we're you know, we're brothers. We don't want to be like one of us is fun. Yeah, well, I understand. Other, so. Um, I just, I, I think I you know, got to give the people what they want. So I, I think there's a couple people. I'm sure wanted. at some point yeah. we will have that nice fight. Yeah, I like it. So, all right. Well, that's all well, I wrapped up now for about the palette. Unless Brad's got any more. 
No. All right. We'll come on back. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the uh, beer festival you got coming up. Awesome. Awesome, guys. All right. So, the beer festival. Yeah, good times. Um, yeah, I'll say it. I wanted to make sure I had a good thing. It was my favorite thing all last year. Out of everything I did last year, it was my favorite thing. So, I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart. I remember being there because I volunteered that day and I helped pour for you. And I remember I've done enough beer festivals to know kind of what the expectation is, not only of me, but of anyone else who's ever gone to one and first of all i when i got there i knew i've through our united way event i've gotten to learn a couple of the beer vendors you know and they were all like holy cow this you know he's gone all out and i'm like well yeah i wouldn't expect anything less of them to go all out on this and then as i was pouring i would just chat with people because you know i get bored and um I couldn't believe all the people from out of town that came and checked it out. You know, they all just seemed that they loved it and had a good time. And then, of course, all the regulars too, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, the local people. So, how did you even get started with that idea? Well, once again, just trying to create um, things happening in Alpena. And for the most part, um, I really just wanted to extend that tourist season, which seems to end the 1st of September. Um, but then the Thunder Bay, uh, Winery throws their uh, anniversary party along with Austin Brothers in their anniversary party. And then the Folk Fest always has a party. And so we chose the, the fourth week of September to just say that every weekend there's still a party in September. And basically that was the reason for the date. Uh, the reason for the idea of it was just, uh, you know, beer festivals in general are just a hit in America right now and and they're just a really fun time not not just because people are drinking and having a good time but like you know we're bringing some really good musical acts um it brings the community together it brings people from out of town that don't necessarily know this town and introduces them to how fun it can be and and you know closing on a street like that really shows that uh, the community is involved that they're fine with it that they they like us throwing parties, which is great. Thank you, the city. Thank you, DDA. Thank you, everybody who's, you know, allowed this to happen. Chief of police, you know, everyone. Um, so the, the idea of it was more or less just to uh, create happenings in the downtown area. But <clears throat> I just really like going to them, too. So it, it might have been a little selfish. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you brought roots in for Pete's sake. Yeah, that was fun. There, I love Root Stand. So um, I was just when I saw that, I was like, "Holy cow, that's amazing!" Yeah, I didn't get Root Stand this year, but I'll tell you what, I did. I did get four amazing acts. One of them are right here from Alpena. That's uh, Bubba and the Roadmasters, uh, great bluesy type band. Then I have Act Casual, who's got like a jazz folk blues influence, and then two seven-piece bands: one Paddlebots and the Melophobics, and they're both seven-piece bands of you know, brass section and funky, and I, I think we're still gonna have a good time. Oh, the paddle bots are amazing. Yeah. We both like the paddle okay. bots. Okay, so. excellent. Well, yeah. they're they're here this year. <clears throat> That's cool. They're ready to rip. So when you sign up, I, I, Allison's gonna listen to this to find out that I signed us up to volunteer to pour. Um, 
you'll have to make sure we're on the first shift or whatever shift that the pedal bars aren't so we can chill out and listen to the pedal bars. So, yeah. Um, Any failures or surprises that you had after year one where you're like, ah. Well, uh, to be honest, year one um, kind of – there was more people than I anticipated, which was great, obviously. (laughs) Um, So the beer tent was a little crowded. And that is like – it was shoulder to shoulder. It was – it was packed in there. So this year I've taken um, the 32 breweries and separated them into two different tents of the okay. same size. So it'll be half as packed as it was unless we get a great turnout, which would be amazing. I would mm-hmm. hope that we, you know, double. That'd be great. And yeah. year two, double, double the amount of people. We had about 550 people the first year. I'm, I'm definitely hoping for 850, 1,000 this year. You know? I would think that seems reasonable. It, it seems reasonable. Um, you know, I went I went kind of above and beyond the first year to make it look classy and try to stand out from all the other beer festivals that are happening around the state. So I didn't really allow the beer reps to come in and, like, set up their own table. I had it all set up for them, and the beers were there. All the reps really had to do was stand there and talk about their beer, which um, in their eyes is, like, best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. They didn't have too much work to do, you know. They just had to show up and do their job and um, I think that showed in the way that it looked I mean it was classy there was you know wood burn signs and lots of flowers and it, it, it just looked nice you know? yeah even down to the the bowls that were holding the beer and the, with the ice and um, I just thought it was extremely well done and seemed like you put a lot of time and thought into it too so uh, about a year that's it but, you know, it was stretched out across the whole Second Avenue, which kind of, like, spaced it out. And the music tent wasn't getting the the recognition that it needed just because everybody was crowded around the beer. So, basically, what I did this year was put two beer tents with the music in the middle, and you have to circle through the, the, the music and the vendors uh, to get to the other beer. So, awesome. I think that will help, you know, just create more of a, a moving vibe instead yeah. of everybody standing there. So, will you go down all the way to the light then? So, from one light to the other light, you'll have tents? Is that how it's going to we'll be? from um, US 23 all the way down to Carter. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So, two blocks taken up okay. with tents and music and beer and venues and merch and yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you got planned for the year? Anything else you want to share with our listeners that you have? Uh, for this year, no, I mean, I'm really focused on Sunrise Suds. I just really want to make sure that that is a hit this year. Um, of course, we do the zombie crawl for Halloween, and then uh, we do our blacklight party for the, for New Year's, mm-hmm. which is always a hit, too. I mean, turning off all the lights and glowing everybody out with black lights and playing loud music <clears throat> Usually a pretty fun time, but but a lot of my focus, I mean, once summer gets over, is just making sure that Sunrise Suds is a hit. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot of coordinating. Um, you got 32 different breweries. You got four different bands. You've got about 100 and some volunteers that help out. Uh, the beer companies, everybody's got to kind of do their part to to make this thing yeah. a hit. You know, so it's not just me, and I don't even want to say that, you know, maybe it was my idea, but without this community and especially the volunteers like yourself that that just say, "Hey, I just want to show up and help you out," like uh, you know, that that's an amazing thing. That that's something that 
when choosing to come back here and open the fresh palette, um, I was more than surprised at how much the community responded to things and helps out with things. And well, and you know, through United way and the stuff that you put on and the races and stuff that, that go on that the community really gets involved in. And that's what makes, um, my job easier and just more pleasant. Yeah. You know, I don't have to like force people to do anything. It's just, you ask for help and there are people. Yeah. I think the one thing I've noticed and Brad's experience with his race this year is the first year everyone's kind of like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, sure. And then, but then they see it and then they're like, okay, I get it. And then everyone's just like, I'm on board. And we're seeing that with Brad's race. And now the first year everybody's like, so you want to have a race where, people dress up and then like, okay, we'll see. And then now this year, you know, the sponsors have just been really steady and they're excited about it as much as Brad is. And that's Brad's excited face. So you can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and I see that with United way, you know, uh, I can't believe we spent a whole episode last week talking about, it, so I won't, um, you know, beat a dead horse here, but, I can't believe just the stuff that people continue to bring in, Absolutely. you know, every day, you know, it's a different donation and I'm just always just taken aback by it. You know, some of the stuff just left, leaves me speechless. I don't even know what to do because I just, I know the cost involved. I know the people doing it as well. You, and you're just like, you didn't have to do that. You really didn't, you know? And, um, but they do. And well, that's a pretty special thing. I don't, you don't find that everywhere. Yeah. In the United States and the world, I'm guessing, yeah. you know, but definitely in the United States, you don't find that in every community. And we're pretty fortunate to be from such a giving place. Yeah, I 100% agree. So, well, we're definitely excited about Sunrise uh, Suds. Um, any special vendors? Do you have any new vendors coming in? Well, as far as beer, you mean? Yeah. Um, no, we just try to get all the new ones that are coming in, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who's, you know, better than anybody else. Like, you know, Michigan and their craft beer scene is, I think, number three yeah. in it's the like United States. Portland, it's like Oregon and Colorado. And yeah, us, so. it's the only other two states creating as much good beer as we are. So, you know, to say, like, I'm excited about one brewery other over the other mm -hmm. coming in is I, I can't say that because everybody has a different palette. Everybody, you know, chooses a different style and, and man, are there different styles out there? Yeah. There's so many choices, you know, and it used to be a super IPA heavy style, you know, beer across the board, but you know, we've got sours and, and fruity beers and, and all kinds of just different, um, tastes coming in. So when I choose um, the breweries that are going to be there and I find the reps for it, I also talk to them about their, their uniqueness and what, what stands out to them. So I, I, the idea of the whole sunrise suds thing was to, first of all, to like let Alpina know um, what we offer in this area and then to let the, the reps like showcase who they are. So Usually each each beer company has three different beers there. I ask them to bring two flagship beers that you can definitely get at Jamie Garrett's or Cracker Barrel or any Neumann's or whatever, anywhere in town here. And then I ask them to, like, really showcase what they're about. So their third beer is supposed to, like, 
be, you know, sort of what they're really proud of. So no, no brewery is better than the other. No, you know, no merch is better than the other. It's just, it's, it's, um, your own personal choice yeah. in, in what they offer. I think it's really crazy. You're right. You're a hundred percent right where it was IPA for a while. And I still love IPAs. And then it became these like, what bourbon, you know, barrel stouts became really hot right. too. And now ABS kind of kicked that off. Yeah. Everybody just wanted to compete with that. So they put out their own brand of that. Yeah. And now it's just kind of in this weird world. I know New England style was really hot last year. And you're right. Sours is really cool to see, you know, different ways people can mess with that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And and I'm not only just for yours, because I know I have some of that same stuff coming down the pipe in my, you know, with my event here next week. So, um, it's just nuts. It's, It's awesome. Yeah. It, it, it the amount of beer companies and and different kinds of beers that are coming out of just Michigan alone is it's insane. That's why I have twenty two taps at the Fresh Palette that are straight <laughs> Michigan beers. I mean, like once in a while I'll showcase you know a brewery that I liked out west or whatever, but for the most part there's no reason to like there's no reason to go outside of Michigan because you have I don't know there's like two hundred some different breweries in Michigan, yeah. you know, and they've got. 10 different beers. So you're talking 3000 different beers that you can. I find it funny when I travel outside of Michigan to always look at what Michigan beers are featured, like whether it's Texas or New York or wherever. And, um, you know, we, I did this dorky thing for the past couple of years, this 12 beers of Christmas thing where I kind of blab about 12 Michigan beers. But the whole reason I did that was because Allison's brother lives in Kansas and they just don't really have a good beer scene in Kansas. So it was always, he comes home every Christmas and I always do it 12 days before he comes home. So then, you know, and he got homesick, you know, because by then he, you know, he comes home for the summer and then he gets, you know, he's gone all the way till Christmas. And by the time November is here, he's ready to come home and see some family and it's Christmas and everything. And Kansas is a little bit different than Michigan. There's not a lot of trees and there's not a lot of snow and the leaves don't change. So he missed the makes him homesick for all that stuff. Oh, so, you know, by the time we start the 12 days, he's just raring to go and it gets, he's excited and That's he's awesome. got a couple other friends that get excited about it. And then of course, it, I don't want to say it becomes an inside joke, but it's, it almost takes a life of its own. Cause then you have other people and I've had people message like breweries message be like, dude, you should try this. Let me know what you like. And then you should, you know, or I've had people give me beer even. And it just, it's kind of funny how that whole, how social beer can be, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it really does bring people together. Yeah, <laughs> calms everybody down. They have a couple. Everybody's friends. Like, yeah. hey, there's definitely nothing better than you know seeing uh, sunrise suns come together and then uh, just watching everybody smile and have a good time and, and stand there on the streets of Alpena and say, "Damn, I'm in Alpena. This is awesome." Yeah, you know. I remember I had a couple people that I haven't seen in years. Just absolutely years. And they were like, yeah, I'm just here for it. I can't believe Alpena has got its own beer festival. And they literally just came home for that. So that is, it's awesome. So definitely tip the hat to you right there. Thanks. Well, I think that's about it for the beer festival. When is the beer festival? Oh, yes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's September 29th. Yeah. It starts at 3 o'clock. Downtown Alpena right on 2nd Avenue. Runs till 9 o'clock. And then we do an after party on the street from nine o'clock till midnight and bands keep playing, you know, you still purchase beer out on the streets and it's a really great time. So where can people get tickets? Tickets you can, you can get right now at the local basket case at Jimmy Garrett's or, um, 
or at Cracker Barrel, or of course at Fresh Palette. You can also visit sunrisesuds.com and buy them right there online. You have different packages, correct? Yeah, just a general admission ticket that's $15 that gets you in the door and gives you the tasting mug. Uh, you buy your tasting tokens inside, um, or you get the VIP, which is, it's the way to go. You get, <laughs> you, you get the, the VIP access to the VIP tent, um, which has exclusive beers that um, breweries like Bell's and um, Founders and who else do we have in there this year? Sheboygan, all producing these um, amazing beers that you can only get at the breweries that, that come up for the VIP tent. So you have to have a VIP ticket to get into the VIP tent, which has appetizers and heaters and lounge chairs. It's just a little little cozier type thing. Plus you get a shirt, uh, some stickers, a koozie, a backpack. I mean, it, and that's $40. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not even that much, but you, you get a lot out of it. And, and the idea behind that is, you know, we want to really build up the VIP thing. So like you really feel like you're getting something special when you come to it. Yeah. A lot of people just want to come drink some beer and hang out, but then there's people that want to really, get to know the, you know, by having this VIP tent and, and highlighting these specialty beers, the, the beer reps are in there the whole hour that their beer is being wrapped and you kind of get a little more one-on-one -on -one with them and it's just a little more uh, involved and fun, really. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what's the website? You said your website's uh, sunrisesuds.com. Awesome. And, uh, if I could say one thing, I mean, we do need a few more volunteers to, to get this all done. So you can go right to the website at sunrisesuds.com and click on the volunteer link and help out. And of course, for volunteering, you get a, a free shirt, you get a tasting mug, you get access to the event, um, and you get access to the hospitality room, which I feed you and give you drinks and, and I will, just, just for volunteers. And I will tell people that if you didn't volunteer last year, the hospitality room is worth the mission alone. <laughs> it is worth pouring the three hours because there was some amazing food. And I remember I went down there with some beer vendors and they were all just flabbergasted at the quality of food that they were eating. So they were just like, I was like, I mean, I eat here once a week almost. So <laughs> you're not telling me anything new. So um, uh, it's yeah. not treating everybody right. You know, they're, they're, the volunteers are giving, the reps are giving, you know, everybody's giving, you got to give back. Yeah. And so it's, it's just about treating everybody equally. Awesome. Well, um, well, that'll be it. We'll move to the top five after this. Right. Sounds good. All right, so our top five are going to be trips we've done, Eric. Okay. Um, Brad, you going to jump in on and off? No, I'm good. Okay, all right. Fair my enough. trips have been very exciting. So. That's true, but <laughs> each to own. So um, I guess I'll go first then. So number five for me would probably be, um, it sounds kind of basic, but actually my wife and I, Labor Day three years ago, we did the UP, UP trip. Nice. So we went to Tacoman. We hit Oswald's Bear Farm. We hit Pitcher Rocks. We hit all the waterfalls. Nice. All over the three-day weekend. So, um, and I, re I wish I could take that trip again because I didn't take my camera or anything. And we took a couple pictures, but it definitely would have 
um, some of the stuff we did was just amazing to yeah, be seen. So. Some of the most beautiful places in yeah. the world. And I think what's interesting is you don't really appreciate it until you get outside a little bit and you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy. So, yes. yeah. Number well, five for you. Well, number five for me would be UP as well. Uh, <laughs> I, a, few, a few years ago, me and my daughter took a motorcycle and we, we put on about 500 miles and went up to Kwamenam and spent the night and then uh, went up to Whitefish Point and just taking my daughter on a motorcycle ride um, through the UP, you know, at a young age of eight years old was pretty awesome for, I think more for her than for me. You know, I've been on several motorcycle rides, but. Uh, but there's something always cool being able to show your kids something and watch their face and just that whole experience as a parent to a child and being able to go through that, that really, it's almost indescribable, really. Well, absolutely. And and for a child to, like, ride on the back of a motorcycle <laughs> for, you know, 500 miles, like, it's exhausting for them. But she loved every minute of it. Yes, she passed out on my back a couple of times, like, <laughs> sitting being on the back of a motorcycle. And I have, I have little arms that swing in and hold her in so no <laughs> fear that she was about to fall off the motorcycle or anything. She had like a little child seat back there. Um, but one of the funniest parts of that trip was uh, we were we were coming back across the Mackinac Bridge and we had our tent packed up on the, the side of the bike and somehow the poles from the tent like went flying off on the Mackinac Bridge. <laughs> She's like, Dad, we just lost the poles. And I was like, well, we can't stop, so we're going. You know, like, so it was just funny for her to just be like, dude, like part of the trip just got left behind the bridge. It was a pretty cool trip. That's awesome. Um, number four for me would probably have to be, um, I don't know it's a while, I can't even tell the year, but my wife and I went to do my – mother-in-law lived in Dallas for a while and um, we went down to visit her and we did one of those obstacle course races and it was crazy. I'll never forget it. I'll always remember that race because halfway through it, I still don't know why I did Wait, it. obstacle course? Yeah, race? like it was a, it was like a, I forgot what it was. It's like a tough mud. But it was like a tough mud. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I would never do that ever again. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> never I remember at one point there were some fire hoses that you had to climb down and you had to like there was three of them so there's two up here in your armpit and one you balanced down and you were about 50 to 60 feet in the air and that was it like i thought maybe if you fell like you would have like a net or like a tether or something but no it was just like if you fall you fall and wow. i just never forget that i was just like i realized as i was about a third of the way down i was like no one's coming to save me. Like, this is it. You have to figure out how to get out of this on your own. So, yeah, that was, yeah. It was cool that now I look back at it, it was cool that I did it, but at the time I was like, why are you doing this? This is no way to take a vacation. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. So. so I took my daughter once again out to California this past April, and it was one of the most amazing trips. Um, just, just traveling uh, with just my young daughter and showing her some – West Coast, you know, when she had never seen mountains, never seen sequoia trees, never seen the Pacific Ocean, uh, just to see that look in her eyes when she's seen all that stuff. We went out, we went um, three days to Disneyland, which, you know, I figured that would be the, the most of the vacation for her, mm -hmm. and she would forget the rest. However, it wasn't. She was forgotten by the end. So we went three days to Disneyland and then uh, traveled up to, um, 
Death Valley and then to Mount Whitney and which is the tallest peak in the lower 48. So she's seen the biggest mountain here. Uh, then we went over to the Sequoia trees and seen General Sherman, which is the biggest, largest tree in the world. And then went to um, Santa Monica and, and chilled on the beach for a couple of days and whatnot. And when I asked her what the, the coolest thing of the trip was, she said, um, not Disneyland. She said that it was General Sherman, the biggest tree in the world, you know, and I, I just thought that was cool that, you know, landscape and, and just natural life could be more exciting than something that Walt could put on for her. Yeah. Because so. they built that whole area around her, or not for her, but to, you know, Absolutely. yeah. So yeah, that, that mean, is yeah, cool. California Adventure and Disneyland all together. It was a, three days of just pack. We stayed right there in the resort. So, you know, out the window, she was looking at the resort and, and it still was less than a tree. <laughs> yeah. which I was super <laughs> impressed by. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number three for me was with Brad and my wife. We went to Chicago and we spent two and a half days, probably fair. Yeah. Two and a half days, almost three days in Chicago. Uh, we were, that was Brad's first half marathon. Yes. As was Allison's, and um, it wasn't so much the race, which the race was cool. A lot of cool things. Hot as hell. A lot, and a lot of cool things about the race. But really, we spent one the day before walking around way too much. Critical mistake we made, not looking back at we it. We were rookies. Yeah, we were rookies. We <laughs> day before the marathon, we put like eight miles on our feet walking around Chicago. But, I mean – we saw everything, you know, because that's the coolest way to explore a city, right? Is Absolutely. just to walk around and get out and just not be in a cab. And we saw the bean and dorky pictures and went out on Navy Pier and did all that went along with that. And remember, I think we went to Margaritaville for dinner. Yep. And right down there by the pier and watched everyone go by. And Chicago's beautiful, man. Yeah. Summertime, especially. Yeah. So it was uh, definitely really cool. It was, it was special because I don't think Alice and I were married yet. So we were we were still engaged, and you know, obviously Brad's my best friend. So it was really cool to just I don't know do something like that with both of them. And uh, yeah, that was that's spectacular. My number three would be with some really good friends too. When I was 16 years old, uh, me, Scott McConnell, Laura Bauer, and Maria Worth took a bus from Alpena, Michigan, all the way to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> and Scott's uncle. Scott McConnell's uncle, um, Dave Kaufman, had given him a hearse. I don't know if you remember this, but Scott McConnell drove a hearse for years. Well, me and him and, and Laura and Maria went and picked this hearse up from Portland, Oregon, and drove it all the way back from Oregon to Alpena. Talk about an incredible trip. I mean, this I'm 16 years old. Uh, they were 18, and... I think seniors, I was, you know, junior, uh, sophomore actually. And they, we had decided that we were going to stay out in Oregon. We loved it so much. <laughs> so we were like calling our parents, we're finding jobs, we're finding apartments. And, you know, my mom's like, no, not. <laughs> Get you your back here and finish high school, you know? And I was like, no, oh, it's so cool. I've seen mountains for the first time <laughs> in the Pacific Ocean and just, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. And then, of course, we picked up a hearse and <laughs> drove it back. And this hearse wasn't just a hearse. It was a hearse that said coffin cruiser down the side with flames on the front and <laughs> ghosts all over the side and stuff. So you could imagine four kids driving this thing back across country, how much attention we drew to ourselves. 
And, you know, the landscape that we've seen, we, we went to Yellowstone, we went to Craters of the Moon, we went to um, the, uh, in South, South Dakota, was that the Badlands? Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was just incredible to, at such a young age, like experience, you know, that life of driving across the country with other young kids and just your mind is not like developed enough to understand like even how to like function in these areas <laughs> you're just like what is this who, who lives here you know like, it, it was just incredible to, to to go all the way out there on a bus on a greyhound you know i don't know how much you've traveled on a greyhound but it's not that good it's like a school bus all the way out there so three and a half days you know but but a beautiful ride back in the coffin crib so that's pretty incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Um, number two for me is boring, but if I don't, I'm well, yeah. So I went, like I said, my mother-in-law lived in Dallas, and this, uh, I knew we were going down there for spring break. Alice and I did. We went there every year where my mother was living down there, and uh, I proposed to her. And awesome. I had it all worked out ahead of time. You know, I like had the ring and my travel or carry-on, and um, Allison's parents both knew that I was proposing to her. Um, so I asked them ahead of time and um, her mom knew where, where I wanted to do it. I had it all planned out and I don't know if I, I, don't know if I already told the story in the pod, but, um, but there's a big fancy garden in Dallas and it's cliche down there to get engaged there because everybody gets engaged there in Dallas, but I'm from Michigan. So it seemed really cool to do it down sure. there. So um, it's just this huge garden. It's called the Dallas Arboretum. And um, there's a really neat spot in the gazebo to do that. Well, I didn't really think that I went down there during spring break, but what I didn't realize is that it was also Dallas's spring break. So when we got to this park, it's filled with kids, which is okay because it's a tourist attraction. But when I get to the gazebo, it's filled with teenagers making out. <laughs> <laughs> so we get there, we walk by there, I look at Allison's mom, and I'm like, this is not going to work. Like, So we had to call an audible. So we were kind of walking around, I'm kind of looking for a spot, and I found this grassy knoll area where there's only one person just this old guy and he's laying on a towel and he's just reading a book but it overlooked this lake and there's flowers all around and i looked at alice's mom and i was kind of gave her the, the, the sign and she was like oh yeah okay it's gonna happen and um we i wanted to tape it for her grandparents so they could see it and um there was a little camera malfunction. So only thing you got was Allison crying at the end, but um, yeah, but still, nonetheless, it was a lot of work and it worked out pretty well. So other than the fact that she said, what are you doing? And backed away from me the whole time. So. Uh, my number two, uh, let's see, I went to Hawaii. I traveled to Hawaii. Um, I was kind of lost in, in what Eric Peterson was going to do with his life and decided to, to actually go be a bum in Hawaii for eight months, actually. So uh, he took a train from Alpena to San Francisco and hung out with some friends in San Francisco for about a week and a half. And of course, San Francisco is the most expensive place in the world. So I left San Francisco with $5 left in my pocket to get on the plane and, and fly to Hawaii. So when I got to Hawaii, I had $5 in my pocket and 10 granola bars that my friend Emily Johnson gave me. <laughs> and so I knew I could eat for 10 days, at least a granola bar a day. So, um, 
it, it was pretty phenomenal though. I, I, we flew into, I flew into Maui first and then I had to take a little small plane over to Oahu where I was going. And I was telling somebody on the plane, my story that, you know, I only had $5 in my pocket and got off the plane at the airport in, in Oahu. I started walking away just like, all right, here I go. You know? <laughs> and the gentleman I was sitting next to on the plane come running up. He's like, Hey, Hey, Hey buddy. And he hands me five more dollars. And he's like, you just doubled your money. And I was like, Damn, all right. You know, like that's good. You know, so, so I had $10 when I got to Hawaii. And so for 10 days, I ate a granola bar and a cup of coffee. That's what I had for 10 days and survived there for eight months. And, um, you know, got a, got a job working at a really cool place uh, called uh, Sam Choi's Breakfast, Lunch and Crab, which he's a pretty famous chef over there. So it was really cool that I got a job there. And that's really what inspired me to go back to culinary school and, and figure this whole thing out. So um, it was meant to be just a trip, like a soul searching trip. And it, and it ended up being that, you know, it ended up being me writing books and books of poetry and trying to figure out who I was, but I was in Hawaii, which it's 80 degrees <laughs> in the air and 80 degrees in the water and a rainbow every day. And I mean, it was, it was pretty beautiful. So if you gotta be a bum, you know, you know, go to Hawaii, but the whole trip itself was uh, really life changing. It really, really gave me a humbling, um, good experience on, on what it is to be human and, and what it is to then go to the depths and then decide to give back to your community at yeah. the same time. So, I mean, that was, that was the transition into like, you know, here I traveled, I found all this stuff. Um, how do I, how do I take that back to my community? So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, probably should have been number one, really. <laughs> Something's awesome. I'm kind of excited for number one. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, number one for me um, is my honeymoon. We went to New York City and we traveled to Niagara Falls. Nice. So first time I ever saw the Niagara Falls. Yeah. And then we did all the cliche things you could possibly do in New York City. We did them. Empire from, State Building. Yep. The Naked Cowboy, the whole kick and boodle. But of course, we were only there for four days, and you can't see everything in New York City in four days. So it led us to us going back. I remember when we were leaving our hotel, um, we stayed because it was our honeymoon, so we stayed at the Waldorf because I'm coming to America. So of course, we had to stay there. And um, the guy that's loading our bags into, into our car for us, then he goes, Did you have a good time? And we said, Oh my gosh, coming from Alpena, this is like landing on the moon, right? And uh, he was, he was like, well, you need to come back in the fall because New York City is the best in the fall. And we were like, oh, okay. So then two years later, we went with Allison's mom to New York City in the fall. So um, we got to experience some of the things all over again with her and then did a couple of new things. And it's funny, we want to just listening to you talk about out west. There's nothing more that we want to do than go out west. But as much as we want to do that, we're like, man, we just can't wait to get back to New York City because there's so much we still haven't done yet. It's just, it's crazy to go there. And um, my friend Rick used to live out there and he told me, he goes, the one piece of advice I'll give you is don't take a cab anywhere. Just walk. He goes, and just take the city in and he goes, you'll just be walking and all of a sudden you'll just see the coolest thing that you won't believe. And, you know, and you'll just find it. And he was right. We found places like just, he goes, there'll be these little beer gardens or there'll be this little food truck where you'll eat something and you'll always wish you could have it again and you won't be able to find it ever again. And Absolutely. all those type of crazy things happen. So, yeah. 
You know, as crazy as um, New York seems to all of us, yeah. when you're in it, like it's it, it's not that bad. I no, you're right. You know, it's it's pretty. Yeah, there's a lot of beeping and you know angry things going on. But if you're not part of that, like you said, you're falling into all the cool stuff that's happening there. Yeah, you know, the cool food trucks and the cool little beer gardens and all the little spots that are just awesome. So I'm glad you had that experience, man. Yeah, and. Uh... It's, it's crazy. My daughter is absolutely obsessed with playing New York City. And so my wife and I are trying to figure out a way where we can go and take her just for the first time so she can just get her beak wet and know what she's going to Because just a little while ago, she was like, so I'm going to go in March. And this is the weekend I'm going to go. Cause her and I have this unwritten rule that I'll never be mad as long as she tells me where she's going. She's in college now, so... I really have no control over it if she's going to do it. She's like, so I'm going to leave Saturday at 9, and then we're going to drive to New York City, and we're going to sleep with the car, and then we're going to come back Sunday. And I was like, can you just wait? <laughs> Please. <laughs> can I be involved? <laughs> just, if you just can give me a little time, I'll take you, I promise. Oh, so, but, I mean, just listening to you, I mean, you remember what it's like to be a kid and just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it and do it. And then, then I'll have a story to tell afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. How are you going, Dad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my number one, my craziest, uh, we were going with craziest story. I guess that's why, you know, why it wasn't my, my first. My craziest story was um, I decided on a Tuesday that I was going to make it from Portland, Oregon to Atlanta, Georgia to my uncle's wedding on a Saturday. So on a Tuesday, I bought a motorcycle that I had no idea what this motorcycle was all about. And on a Thursday, I, Thursday morning, took off from Portland, Oregon, and drove 3,000 miles Holy cow. in three days on a motorcycle to Atlanta, Georgia. I can't even begin to tell you all the stories that happened along the way. I mean, they, they were incredible. I mean, I broke down once outside of... Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and um, ended up meeting somebody at a gas station in a rider truck who was from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I said, what do you have in the back of that rider truck? And he said, well, nothing. And I said, well, can I pull my bike up in there? And <laughs> you're heading south, right? It looks like you're heading south. He said, well, yeah, I am heading south. I said, well, like Las Vegas? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, can you take me to Las Vegas because I was about three hours north of Las Vegas and it was dark out and what was wrong with my bike is the headlight wouldn't work so I could not drive at night so I pulled my bike into the back of this rider truck and I didn't have any straps or anything for it so I just stood on my bike in the back of a rider truck and held this up for like three hours all the way to Las Vegas and then he dropped me off at a, at a hotel Stardust Hotel downtown and um, I thought I could just tuck my bike up next to like a dumpster or something and go to sleep for the night. And of course, everybody has a video camera yeah. everywhere in Las Vegas. So soon there was, you know, security guards asked me what I'm doing there. I said, I want my headlights out. So they're like, hold on, let me call some buddies. So they, all of a sudden I got a limousine coming and picking me up, taking me to like all these like, uh, repair shops trying to figure out what's wrong with my bike and never really figured it out but became friends with a bunch of people in Las Vegas and then made it back to to my bike and you know talked to the security guys I'm like this I can't get fixed yeah I'm gonna have to wait till the morning they're like all right, all right go ahead go to sleep you know 
And then the next day, just got my bike fixed and kept on driving and drove through Texas and just had crazy episodes in Texas. Crashed my bike once. But anyway, I made it all the way to Atlanta, Georgia in that three days, 3,000 miles. And I was... I was pretty amped by the time I got there, you know, <laughs> my, my bike ran best at 90 miles an hour. So I just like this, it was like a three cylinder. So it just kind of had that boom, 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 boom sound at 90 miles an hour. I just drove it 90 miles an hour for three days. It was it, talking about crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> Did and, you ride it back? Uh, I rode it back to Alpena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went down to Florida for a little while, South Carolina, and then drove up to Alpena and then, that was, um, yeah, that was, that was quite the trip. Um, but at the time I had like shaved in my head. So I was like completely bald head and then walked <clears throat> into, I found out where my family was all at a, a hotel for this wedding. And I went there and I just scared the hell out of everybody. <laughs> first of all, I was kind of skinhead and I was like three days on the road looking like a road warrior. <laughs> Like popping my head in the door, like, whoa, who is this my son? You know, like, is that our nephew? Is he okay? You know, and, and I was. I was just there to be part of the family. And it, it was it was just a, an amazing trip that I wouldn't recommend anybody do. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, that's that's great. I could listen to your stories all night, I think. So, <laughs> I got um, a few. Yeah. So uh, we'll wrap it up. We'll come back and we'll uh, wrap up the pod and then we'll um, go from there. Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for coming by. Thank you for we having me. I appreciate appreciate it. Um, one more time, Sunrise Sides, uh, Suds, when is it again? Sunrise Suds Tap Takeover is September 29th from 3 until 9 p.m. with an after party until midnight right on the streets of Alpena, 2nd Street, right in 2nd Avenue, right in front of the Fresh Valley. Okay. And tickets? Tickets, $15 general admission, $40 VIP. You can get them at the local basket case at Jimmy Garrett's or Cracker Barrel, of course, at the Fresh Palette or online at sunrisesubs.com. Awesome. Um, usually what we ask this time is, what are you doing this weekend? Um, Brad's is going to be boring. Not, I mean, not boring, I but got boring. He's got a wedding. He's leaving town. And so um, it's definitely not boring, but. Normally we talk about all the things going around in Alpena, so in this case, Brad's and all the excitement's going to happen. And this of course, weekend. this weekend there's a lot of stuff going on. So Brad's, this is our this is our bro weekend. Usually, what we made it, our Austin brothers. We ride the limo back and forth between downtown and. Oh yeah, you're not gonna be here for them all night. He's happy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, but he's. I mean, what wedding's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm going to some place I've never been. So. Yep. And that's Where's awesome. that? South Dakota, Rapid City. Oh, serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. But yeah, so I will carry the flame, the torch. I'll go to Austin Brothers this weekend, and then I'll go downtown for the wine festival. I'm gonna see if Allison's up for a three-legged race. I don't know if she will be or not. Yeah. We'll see. Better luck than last year. Yeah. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend, Eric? I'm guessing it's probably something along that line. Just that. Well, I'm going to service the food. It's yeah. going to be going out to the wine festival. And then after I'm done playing chefs, then I'm going to get on board with going and celebrating with Austin and Thunder Bay Winery, who are two wonderful companies that came to this town. And, you know, entrepreneurs and in, in, in their right, you know, the SARS and, and Austin Brothers are 
great people. Yeah. Making great products that I am super happy to serve at my place. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Thunder Bay Winery, the, the, they were like, you know, when we decided we were going to have a beer festival, I was like, not everyone likes beer. And I was like, I wonder if one of the wine places in town would do it. You know, when I thought about asking a couple different, I was like, well, let's just start a Thunder Bay Winery because we've gone in there. You know, I'm not a big wine drinker, but we have gone there a little bit. And man, if they haven't just jumped on and, you know, talked about it and donated and done all the things that, you know, they've gone above and beyond, just like so many other people have. Well, and, and they're just amazing winemakers, too. I mean, you know, this isn't the, the greatest place to, to grow a lot of varietals of grapes, but they are really doing their best. You know, they have their own farm and everything, and, and, and Jeremy Sars does a great job making the wine and it's not all sweet we got some dries they got some really heavy bodied ones and and the awesome brothers are just crushing it with their murky style ipas they yeah are, i mean they're they're getting some serious recognition for that right now downstate yeah they are they're awesome but yeah. we already know that so i'll make sure to get you a souvenir glass if i can for year three because i know you have one and two i do so um other than that that's really all i got going on this weekend so yeah well, well thank you for highlighting the fresh palette and sunrise suds uh, you know i i love giving back to my community i appreciate the fact that you guys you know enjoy coming down to the events and mm -hmm. eating the food and that sort of thing so thank you thanks to alpina in general yeah i mean they do an awesome job so all right well that'll take care of this week and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon all right thanks fellas all right yeah Alright, since I didn't do a top five list of my tap, top five travel adventures, me and Steve are going to do our own top five, and our top five is top five big brother couples slash duos. So, a couple things really quick. One, when I told Allison that we were going to do this, she's like, why did we do that last week? So she's super jealous about this one. She should have thought of that. Yeah, she that. should have. And two, the reason this was spurred on is, did you see what happened on Facebook today? No. Okay, well, then I won't I won't spoil it for you, but there is a reason why. So it, well, it'll be on Wednesday's episode. So. Oh, because the Colin Victor got engaged. Yes. That was on last night. Oh, okay. It was last night? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then, yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was thrown. Yeah, so that's what spurred this whole thing. So. All right. All right. Because she was supposed to host the luxury competition that they don't ever show anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I'll start it off. And my number five is Brendan and Rachel from Big Brother 12 and 13. Rachel's probably the most annoying person to ever be on the show. Yes, but has one of the best catchphrases of all time. Floaters get a life vest, a life jacket. And you can't, I mean, you got to like that, right? Nobody becomes comes between me and my man. You know, that one too. So, I mean... If she's got anything toward it, it's that. I think Brendan Denham did becoming a doctor. Yeah. And they did get married and had a daughter, so. Yeah. They're iconic. So. Yeah. They, I think they even did The Amazing Race. So. They did. A couple yeah. of these. Yeah. Um, my number five, I kind of put fun at Allison, is it's going to be Nicole and whatever guy she wants to throw in at the moment. So um, I probably should say it's Victor. Well, Lions just give him another touchdown. Brad. Awesome. They suck. All right, 47. Uh, Good job, Matt Patricia. Anyway, so um, 
whether it would be uh, Corey or um, Victor, who she just got engaged to, and then I forgot her first guy. Oh, Hayden. Hayden. Yeah. So, um, but I guess it more says to the point of that Nicole. Um, no, that's not good. But she's definitely a big brother <laughs> person. You know, I mean, she's iconic like that. So she's Saginaw Valley. Yeah, go cards. All right, my number four is Cody and Jess from last season. They also did the Amazing Race. Uh, Cody was very off-putting to some people. I liked them because I thought it was kind of funny. But those are dry humor. So dry humor people come together. My number four also is Cody and Jess. Um, Allison was a big fan of Cody and Jess. We watched the Amazing Race with them. So um, I personally didn't really like him, but just because he was a jerk. Well, I tell you, I actually didn't mind Cody. It was Jess I really didn't like. But what I liked about Cody was I felt like Cody – you know what the problem I have with Big Brother now versus back then is it seems like it's a lot of models and like not I don't consider real people. Yeah. Cody was real, like oh, yeah. real as it gets, and I think that's why I liked Cody so much. Is like he's you know he served in the country. He was kind of had this little touch of a redneck side to him, but you could tell that military service was like. I've actually done some things. This is not real. Like, <laughs> like you know, I don't care what you think because, you know, just – and I didn't – I appreciated that about him. So. I don't think he knew what he was really getting himself into. Like this yeah. Thing. Yeah. And it, you can see it, it's – Big Brother's changed over the past – especially the past three years. Um, with social media, it's really played a part in it. But, and, um, um, I don't – I don't know whether the house guests used to have these conversations that are tending to get thrown out there now and they had them before and no one really maybe made light of them now, but yeah, it's definitely crazy now. And I did see Cody and Justin get engaged earlier this year. So that they did. Congratulations to them. All right. Number three is Frankie and Zach from big brother 16. <laughs> I wasn't the biggest Frankie fan. It's Ariana Grande's brother, but I really like Zach. Zanky. Um, Fruit Loops, Dingus. <laughs> Again, so like, I think if any time you've done something where you've said something and it's made its way into my everyday speech or yeah. saying, then you've impacted me. So um, I could not do duos for the life of me because if I did... I I wouldn't have gotten this list done in time, and even then I still struggled. Well, it was the last minute. Yeah, thing. it was a very last minute thing. But um, yeah, they are awesome. Yeah, the Fruit Loop Dingus was amazing. So it definitely ranks up there for me. That's a great number three pick. My number three pick, believe it or not, is Enzo and Amanda. So like, I mean, I don't know how many people actually watch Big Brother, but they were by far the most two odd couple two. Opposite ends of the spectrum, and he was a pizza delivery boy, and she was a high-end real estate agent out of Miami, if I remember correctly, something like that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> couldn't it be. I think he lived with his mom, right? His yeah. yeah, so like I don't know, they were very opposites. I don't know if they're together to this day, but um, it was kind of cool just to see opposites, and it actually worked well for him in the game. So, yeah. all right, my number two is another duo. It's probably 
the original bromance, Mike Boogie and Dr. Will. How do you not have this number one? I'll, I'll wait. You're right. That's It probably should have been, but... It, I'm guessing I know who your number one is. It's probably the same as my number one, and they deserve it. So, but, um, great. 100%. I mean, Chilltown by far. I, in a lot of ways, I think Chilltown made Big Brother. Yeah. As much as Big Brother made Chilltown, you know, it's definitely a a one hand washes the other type of relationship. So, um, my number two is Rachel and Brendan. So, I think when you think of Big Brother couples, really two come to mind for me. They're one of the first ones, and my number one's the first. So, um, but. They, I think you have some prerequisites with the couples, at least for me, and yours list obviously matches some of these, but I think it helps if you win maybe multiple times. Yeah. Um, it helps if you've done things outside of Big Brother and that you're still together. So a lot of these couples fall into that category, um, or like, but some have been on Amazing Race, so and they're one of the Amazing Race couples. So well, Number one is Jeff and Jordan. Yes. Yeah. And... For us both to have it, and I know they would be Allison's number one, it speaks to, you know, you could call them the first couple of Big Brothers. So um, they are awesome. And, again, Technotronics gets brought up all the time in my daily lore. So, um, <laughs> and I guess if you've never watched Big Brother, you have no idea what I'm talking about and probably just <laughs> shaking your head. But if you have watched Big uh -huh. Brother <laughs> – you know, Technotronics is amazing. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> that and then the clowns you. But uh, Jeff and Jordan, I don't know. Did you see what season they are? Uh, they were Big Brother 11 and 13. Yeah, the All-Star season was one of them, right? Yeah. And then uh, she, Nicole won. Or no, sorry. Jordan won that one year. The first year, Big Brother 11. Yeah. Yeah. They're married and they have a kid now, and I think he does some hosting once in a while. With I think it's their online platform. Yeah, he does some show for him. And he has a YouTube channel, and then also I know um, they did Big Brother or Amazing Race. Yes, yeah, so that's where I was going with that. So yeah, some of the qualifiers. I think I always like when CBS shows crossover, like Survivor, Big Brother, and. Um, Amazing race. So, and I've noticed now the challenge has kind of been crossing up with Big Brother. You probably aren't a big challenge yet. Or, no. no. Um, so it's even more fake than Big Brother. Oh, 100%. 100% fake. But that's not to say that it's not entertaining, though. Oh, so, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe someday if somebody is a listener here and they watch the current season of the challenge, they want to come on and we can talk about it because I'm absolutely fascinated by it right now. So, um, yeah. I don't remember the last time I watched it on TV. So. You should binge watch on your trip. Are you you're, you're flying, right? Yes. You should binge watch the challenge where we get caught up and then we can talk about it and come back. That's right. It's really good. I'm sure it is, but that can happen. All right, I tried. But I do think I might have to go on Big Brother. Got all these people finding their significant others. You should apply. I'm too old. You're not too old. I'm too old. There's what happened to the security guard that just got. He was your age, if not, he was older than you. You are not too old. We can get you on. I'll help make the video. I'll have Zach help make the video. Zach and Jordan. We have all these filmmakers now. We have multiple things. I'm too old to make it very far. Actually, find my significant other. You don't know that. 
I do too. Oh man, I I don't know who have who's left. It's all the beautiful people. You, what's to say that you wouldn't be? I think you're beautiful, and on top of which, Scotty just got voted out, and he is not a beautiful person. He's not, and he's very socially awkward. I mean, he was probably one of the most awkward people I've seen in Big Brother in a really long time. In fact, it seemed like the more he talked, the more awkward he got. So I just almost wanted to be like, please stop talking. Because he should have stopped talking. Yeah, 100%. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, next week, we have Amy Martin coming on. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about, she's got a 5K coming up. Yes, she has a color run. A color run. run. So we're going to talk about that. And then after that, we have Justin Cooper from Art and Loft. Uh, we're going to talk about his jury art exhibit and all the cool things going on there in Loft. And um, since you guys all follow along, I found out today I was accepted in the jury art. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I only one piece, so I figured I was going to be. But you never know, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then after that, week five, who do you say? It was Matt Cameron, right? No, Mark Jacobs. Mark Jacobs, Matt Cameron, and then do, do we want to announce number thirty? Hold on. Okay. All right. We'll keep it a surprise. Okay. But we're almost done booking out November. I think we have November pretty much done, and then we'll be on to Thanksgiving. Uh, Brad and I kind of didn't make a decision. I think we're going to take a little sabbatical between Christmas and New Year's and then come back at the beginning of the year. So, um, and then I think we're going to wrap up the year, that season, so to speak, at whenever that is in December. So, um that's about it, but we plan on going straight through to the pod as long as you guys are keep half listening, and it seems like you guys are. So uh, we appreciate the support. Open to any ideas or suggestions? Yeah, anything you guys want to see to help us make us help us get better? Jerry McGuire, help me help you. Yes, awesome. But yeah, um, it's definitely fun how we're, you know fall is our favorite, time, at least my favorite time in Michigan. So leaves change and. Football, school starts, and it's just its a whole different vibe versus the summer where it's just kind of it seems like everyone's having a whole bunch of fun. So, um, yeah, awesome stuff. Right. Oh, by the way, Posen's 3 0. I just got to say it. Good for them. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you guys. All right. See you.